Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 2 Podcast. This might be college football, Hi, it's been a busy first hour, a lot of reaction to yesterday, and uh, Pat Smith giving us uh, his view of Nick Saban's future. Let us uh, check in with Todd up next. Hey, Paul, thanks for my call, bud. Didn't hear Todd, so we'll try Casey in New York. Hello, Casey. Hi, Paul. How are you? We are doing well. Thank you. So uh, just get it out the bat. I am a Michigan alum, just so you know exactly where I'm coming from. And I know you have really enjoyed all the Michigan eyeballs and the attention. It's good for your rating. So just have a little bit of idea for Monday night. We have the main feed. We have the home radio. We have the away radio. I think you should go put on your Nick Saban pajamas. Invite Pete Dammel over. He can wear his Ryan Day pajamas. And you guys can rub each other's backs for four hours before Jim Harbaugh holds the trophy. That's a superb idea. And maybe we can, who else can we get? Uh, maybe Herb Street? Ryan Day, uh, Ryan Day's brother in law. You know the thing I admire about uh, uh, Connor Stallion? Uh, he, he has nothing to do. What I admire about, uh, about Michigan fans is, is how creative they are. I mean, they just come up with the most unique takes on the obvious. I really respect the University of Michigan. Uh, I have a couple of friends, uh, some people that I do a lot of business with uh, from my world that are Michigan graduates, a couple of friends of mine are writers who are Michigan graduates. But the, but the, but the, la- but the lack of charisma and personality that Michigan fans have when they call in talking about their program is really scary. Let's uh, check in with James in Miami. Hello, James. Hi, Paul. How are you doing today, sir? We are doing well. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. I'm, uh, I'm calling you from Miami, Florida. I'm an SEC guy. I am uh, all these other conferences in the world now have to be very, very happy because the SEC is not playing for the national title. Like Michigan's back doing cartwheels and backflips because they beat an SEC team. They didn't beat the best SEC team because the best SEC team happened to be Georgia, who played the worst game of the year you know, uh, at the wrong time. I'll give you that. And I want to give a shout-out to this guy, J.K., from uh, Alabama, who's always hating on Alabama. He's wearing a Miami T-shirt or sweatshirt on his picture with you. I'm like, Miami should leave the ACC, go join the Conference USA, play teams like Middle Tennessee State, Rutgers, teams that are on the same level with them when they play them because they don't play football down here in Miami anymore. Best team they got in Miami is a high school team. UN doesn't even play football anymore. So have him get off the SEC channel. Go talk to Dabo Sweeney and all the Big Ten crime networks, all these people that are want to be. Get them off the SEC channel. I've been go to Conference USA. I'm sick of seeing these people. SEC rules. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate the call. 
Corky in Fort Worth. Hello, Corky. Hey, Paul. How's it going? We are doing great. You know what? You know, everybody takes shots at Alabama, and I do too. But this year, the honest truth, I think this is probably Nick Saban's best coaching job with what he had. And for people to knock Alabama, they went toe-to-toe, and they pretty much could still beat anybody. So for everybody to sit and talk down on Alabama is wrong because yeah, this Corky, I mean, really Michigan didn't fans act enough. like they, uh, they beat Alabama 65-7. to 7. I mean, <laughs> the game went to overtime. Yeah. And they could have got, and they could have scored with yeah, one the, second on the clock. Alabama so Alabama had used uh, one ounce of creativity on the final play. Uh, that's exactly what would have happened. And I think, really, even though I've been calling for Nick Saban for years, but I think this is his best coaching job. And this dude is really the master because if you look at his team, he really don't have that much, really, because his quarterback was not a well, quarterback. Well, you know what's it's, it's interesting? Not, We're going to have a guest a little bit later on uh, who has a a different view of, of that from a, from a recruiting standpoint. But I think we just uh, – we, we ended up comparing and contrasting Alabama to Georgia so much that it just didn't seem like they had very much. But uh, they really did have a lot of talent on that team. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, they do have talent, but coming in, they didn't have a set quarterback or no big-time players. That's what well, I mean. But, you yeah, know, I the, know they got the, the problem that, 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 that we always have with Alabama – we uh, we don't compare Alabama to uh, to to, to perfection. We, we compare Alabama to their previous teams. And, yeah, you're right. And then it then it, it boomerangs back to 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 perfection, and it's so difficult. It, it's like uh, remember when Tiger Woods was winning majors every a couple of times a year. If if, if he didn't win a major, it was like shocking because he was he intimidated uh, everyone else. Yeah, you're right. And I, and like I said, I mean, we can say whatever about Alabama. A lot of people are happy they lost. But the honest truth, I'm going to give them some claps because this guy, he's scary. Nick Saban is the best, to be honest with you. But well, I'm going to let y'all go on our holiday. Thank you very bro. much. Thank you be well. You take care of yourself. Happy New Year. Jim is up next. Hi, Bob. I'm going to tell you straight out. I've always told you straight up, straight out, and, and exactly what I believe. And I believe you know that. You don't owe anybody an apology except me. You owe me an apology, but I'm serious. You don't owe anybody miles telling you you owe Jim Harbaugh. Uh, that guy owes a lot of people apologies, but you don't. And you, that's you. That's the one thing good that I've liked about you is you tell it what, how you feel, how you believe it, and how it is, and that's good. And, and you don't owe anybody uh, like a coach an apology for slicing them up and dicing them like you do, and that's what you do well. Okay, that's all I got to say, but I mean that. Well, Jim, I appreciate that, and you're right. Uh, I would never be able to stop apologizing to you for all the, all the terrible things I've said in the past. But well, I, I mean, you, you don't owe those people anything. You don't owe those coaches an apology. No, no, and, and I, I, what I did today uh, in some of the earlier appearances, I, I, I simply clarified a position – about Michigan's off-the-field issues. Uh, I, don't, I think it's absurd to say, well, I, because somebody may have gotten a prediction wrong, well, I, I apologize. That, that is not how it, that, that's not how the, the world works. Well, certainly it doesn't work. If, if it was, everybody would just, uh, you know, well, it's just ridiculous what he said. But anyway, uh, you know, I'm not going to say much because I can't say much, but I really mean what I say here, Paul, and I wouldn't have said it until I saw what happened yesterday. And I saw the look on Saban's face when he was at the presser. 
He looks old. He's look, no doubt in my mind. I saw what I saw. No, my, my eyes are not lying. The Alabama good eyes. He looks old, worn out, and he's, it's time for him to go. I really believe that. It's time for Saban to go. And I don't care whether he wins another game. I'm not even interested in football, except for Alabama, but I'm not interested anymore, really. I'm tired of football. I really am. I've had all my life. Hey, Jim, I'm, ha- I'm really tired. You, as, but, as, as, a, as the keenest observer that we, we have had in the history of this show, what was there about him? Uh, I mean, I, I listen, you can't help how you look at the end of a long season. I, 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 all I have to do is look in the mirror this morning, and it, it was scary to me when I was uh, – I got off the plane and then did some some TV interviews. I'm like going, I can't believe. Uh, I, but but that's just that comes <laughs> with being uh, worn down. Out. And, and Nick Saban's had a brutally tough year. Uh, you don't think uh, a little bit of uh, recuperation will re- rejuvenate him? Well, we'll have to see. I don't know. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that, but I still no, I really don't because I, what I saw, Paul, was was an old older guy that's that's uh, that's been doing this and trying to do it right. And he doesn't have the he doesn't have the staff that he needs. Not even close. He's got the players, but he doesn't have the staff. Even as you said earlier this year, I'm not. I'm here. I go talking about ball. I can't do that. He just doesn't have what it takes in many ways on many levels. And I really see an olderness in him that that you know that uh, that he can't hide. He just but, but he's you, worn you know out. And he, is, he uh, uh, Jim, if I could uh, not to answer your question, but my question to you, but. There, there's college football changes every day of the week and it, ne- it never ends. I was talking to a coach recently and he said, literally, I mean, you, <clears throat> you take your phone with you to bed, you take it uh, when you're out to dinner and you can't ignore right. it because you don't know if some kid's about to say, I'm leaving if you don't get me this. Like Dallas Turner did today. Right. Exactly. He's gone. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no I, I think, uh, I always, I, I, would, I always caution people because I, I, I've done it myself where when you're at the, uh, I, mean, I'm all, I mean, anybody that does what we all do, I, I got sick two weeks ago. Why did I get sick? Because I was run down. Uh, I don't normally right. get sick. But uh, Nick Saban got sick a couple of weeks ago, I'm told. Pretty well, well, you know, he does, you, you say, he does look run, run down. He, I mean, I, I, you know, he, he, he has been sick. And I'm not talking about a serious illness, but everybody's getting these, uh, these viruses uh, these RSVs, and, and I think uh, that took a toll on him during the holidays. I think, uh, you know, the recruiting, uh, he's preparing for all these things. He's having to deal with all the issues that he never, I mean, he, Nick Saban was at his greatest when he was coaching, and, and there's hardly time to coach anymore. I think you nailed it, Paul. And, you know, I, the great, he's, he's, the guy's great, he's greatest, but, uh, there's a time when everybody just has to go, like you said. Well, I mean, I, I, I saw something Sunday that bothered me a little bit about Saban. I'm just going to leave it because uh, we were sitting there doing the press conference. But there, 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 he, he's different. There's no, there's no doubt about it, Jim. You're right about that. I'm not saying he's still a great, he's still a great coach, but uh, I, I saw it with Coach Bryant. You did too. Or maybe you didn't, but you're right Oh, it was blatant. It. It, it was blatant with Coach Bryant. Yeah, well, he was uh, – he was he was really sick. Yeah, he walked by me when I was standing in the uh, hallway. I told you this at the, the basketball game at Memorial Coliseum a month before he died, and he didn't look up. Any, I, I knew him from I had known him vaguely from from a, a friend of mine 
who used to go to he used to go to uh, Mr. Morgan's house all the time, and I saw him out there a lot. But uh, he would go out there in the afternoon. But anyway, he uh, he came down. He came up the aisle. Everybody tried to speak to him. He didn't. He just kept looking down. Uh, about ten minutes, five minutes before the Tennessee Alabama basketball game was over, and he walked right by me and he just looked up and said, "I said, hey, coach, how you doing?" He said, "I'm not feeling good, uh, son." And I said, "Oh, well, I hope you feel better." And he went on down. He never stopped while he went on down the the runway and got on out there in the car with whoever, however he got home. But he looked really terrible, and he was run down, and I knew it was over for him. But Saban has not looked that way until last night. I saw him, you know, he's looked pretty pretty perky. Last night he looked like that beating just – it looked like it beat him literally. It, somebody had beat him up, you know. That's how he looked. Jim, I think when you're, when, when you're at that precipice as often as he is, it does get you. Um, and that's what makes the great – the great one's so unique because uh, anybody can win one. Uh, you know, anybody can get you know, get get there, never to return again. But I mean, he's there every year. I'm gonna tell you something else. Since that Miles guy said you owe Harbaugh an apology, I couldn't believe. I've never seen Harbaugh. I've never seen him or anything. I just knew his name, and that's all. When I saw his face and saw him talking at presser. Sunday with uh, with Saban, and then when I saw him last night raving and ranting, and just his looks, that guy's a dumbass, Paul. That's all I, I, I know. Jim, he's a good coach. I, I will defend Harbaugh to this point, and I know I'm going to walk into a Pandora's box here. Something I, I've never been around anybody quite like him, and I think there are other explanations for why he appears the way he did. He does. And I'm not qualified to give those explanations, but I do know a number of people who probably could. Hey, we have to break. Thanks for the call, Jim. We're up against it. Pat Forty joining us shortly. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash Paul. That's HIMS.com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMSS.com slash Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
Welcome back as uh, we continue here. A lot, uh, lot to talk about uh, today, and we are trying to cover all of it for you. Will is in Nashville. Hello, Will. Hey, Paul. Here, one old volunteer to another here. Well, thank you. Um, Paul, what do you think about Nico? And are we gonna? Is it gonna be a two and done on that? And then the other observation I had was on the on the final minutes of the Alabama game. It seemed you know all those timeouts and go the sideline back and forth, back and forth. And I never saw Saban in the middle of the Alabama people. It seemed like he was delegating. It was all assistant coaches and coordinators, whatever, until the last play. The very last play, I saw him in the middle of the players, you know, I guess an inspiration kind of thing. But maybe I didn't see him, but I just found it a little strange looking for him up to that last play, and I just I did not see him. So I'd like to have your comments on that. Yeah, I mean, he – listen, he he, just, he 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 clearly deferred to Tommy Reese and his explanation afterwards. I want to be part of every conversation, especially the biggest uh, call of the year. But uh, I've seen the same thing. Uh, he, he's, he, he spends all of his time on the defense. I mean, he's on the, he- he's on the headset, so he knows, what, he, he knows what's going on. But, sure, uh, sure. I w- I w- yeah, I, I, was, I was a little surprised because uh, he, he, he said two or three times, this is what Tommy wanted to do. Uh, you are the head coach, Coach Saban. Yeah, because in college ball, I don't know, you know, they are young. And you just think of college coaches as, as being a more inspirational to try to get that last bit out of them, you know. And, and I just didn't see it until the last play. Of course, it didn't work out, but that's showbiz. But what do you think about Nico? I, uh, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, and I, I really believe that was, a, that was an important moment for Tennessee yesterday. Uh, a lot of people have been – a little uncomfortable about some of the ways the games went, but I, but I think that uh, has led Tennessee to a very uh, bright off season. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Todd up next. Good afternoon, Todd. Can you hear me this time, Paul? I sure can. Thank you, bud. Thank you for taking my call, Paul. Uh, yeah, I'm going to back Jim up. Miles, you're an idiot. Paul don't know how booger nothing. He ain't got any integrity, and you ain't either for calling in wanting an apology. Paul, I just want to say this. It just looked like their boys were prepared better. They We ran out of uh, brain cells in the game, and, and, Paul, they kept us with the mistakes that Michigan made. They kept us in the game, uh, and our luck ran out, Paul. I mean, we, we used it up, I guess, against Auburn because we handily handled Georgia all right. But I just want to say this, Paul. Well, hold, J.K. Hold on, Danny, Todd, uh, you know, that handily handled Georgia. That, that wasn't a well. Just a let me say, win. we beat them, uh, Paul. You, you, you take away, you take away an egregious call by the officials uh, and a fumble late in the game, and that has there, there's a different result. All right, but also let me address J.K. and uh, a few Daryl. Uh, you was getting on to Rome about not coming out of the woodwork. Well, we ain't heard nothing out of you since Alabama made the playoffs. You are one sissy punk. And, Daryl, we beat you. There, There's no team that we beat this year that could have probably beat Michigan yesterday. They were just better than us yesterday. 
and congratulations to them. Sometimes it just goes that way. And before our man gets on here, Paul, I want to say roll, Maryland Terps, roll. Thanks for the call. We're heading to a break. We haven't really talked about the other game. We'll do that for a moment. We'll also get Pat Forty's take on everything that happened as we turn the page, or at least some of you will be turning the page toward uh, the Washington-Michigan National Championship game. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. It, it ended uh, nearly uh, close to one o'clock in the morning. I know all of you were up watching. I know I was because I had no choice in the matter. But th- thank goodness I didn't because it was one of the most riveting ends uh, to a football game we have seen. And, and we, I thought I'd seen everything uh, there could be seen at the, in Pasadena yesterday. Pat Forty joining us. And uh, Pat, always great to have you. Uh, as, as that game was slipping away from Washington, uh, I'm sure you were searching your brain for Biggest meltdowns in sports history. Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I was like in just in complete disbelief that somehow Washington stood a real chance of not winning a game that they completely controlled, had under their control, uh, really dominated for the most part, and came down to having to stop three or four throws into the end zone at the very end. It was kind of just a, a staggering collection of plays one after another that added up to this almost impossible chance for Texas to steal that thing. Yeah, and of course, Texas is gone now, but, uh, but I'm particularly interested in, in your view of Washington because there are just so many varied views of an undefeated, <laughs> an undefeated team that has a great quarterback, a great offensive line, some, some really nice complimentary pieces, but there still seems like there's some doubt. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I guess I really don't get the doubt. I've, I've been on the bandwagon here, um, you know, really the last several games. Uh, I was impressed when they got through that gauntlet in November in the Pac-12, which was a good conference, and I was shocked when they went to the Pac-12 championship game as a nine-and-a-half-point underdog to Oregon. That seemed excessive. Uh, and then I thought they were going to win last night, frankly. I thought they would beat Texas. Uh, they, they just – you know, they don't have a dominant defense, but they have a defense that can make plays and, frankly, plays to the strength of the offense, which, uh, you know, they, they're going to dictate terms. The, the, the unit, and I think this will be the case against uh, Michigan as well, the unit that will dictate how that game goes is Washington's offense because 
they're going to throw and catch at a level that nobody else can do. And so Michigan's going to have to find a way to score some points because I guarantee Washington's going to score some. So I'm a big believer in what Kalen DeBoer has put together. Uh, and they do just have a kind of a, a belief they're going to keep pulling out these games, which they've had 10 straight games they've won by 10 points or less now. Talking uh, to Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated. Pat, let me uh, get your thoughts as you were making your way uh, into the stadium in New Orleans. Uh, I know everybody there was watching the end of the Rose Bowl. Just uh, your view from a couple thousand miles away of, of another epic game. Yeah, I mean, incredible to have two semifinals come down to the literal last play before anybody knows who was going to win. Um, and I, I, I felt a little bit for Michigan like I felt for Washington, where, you know, at halftime, they're up three and probably should have been up 10, maybe 14. And all of a sudden, it starts slipping in the third quarter and they're behind. You think, man, they are just going to be sick if they lose this game when I thought they were the better team. Uh, and then, you know, they put it together. They made uh, the, the huge drive to tie the game. And J.J. McCarthy made a couple big throws in that, the big fourth down conversion. And then, of course, in overtime, Blake Corum with a, rips off a couple of big runs there. But that, uh, that showed me a little bit about Michigan's wherewithal and ability to, you know, to, to perform under extreme duress. When Nick Saban gets you down, it's not often that you come back and beat him. And this is a team that hadn't been down. They just hadn't played from behind. They hadn't played with much adversity at all. Uh, but they showed that they can do it. Let's talk about Nick Saban before we get to uh, the Wolverine in the room, uh, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Saban, uh, <laughs> I mean, we're on the verge of saying it's his greatest coaching job, and then the narrative seems like to like it's in cement today that he gets out coached in the biggest game of the year. So help us unpack that. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think you know, I didn't think Alabama played great. I you know I thought that. They benefited, obviously, from the big fumbled punt in the first half to even be in a game that, that I thought they were pretty badly outplayed. Um, I think it's symptomatic, Paul, of who that team's kind of been this year. I mean, obviously, they're a good team. They went 12-1 and up to this point. Uh, they won the SEC championship. They beat Georgia in Atlanta. But you know, watching them, I, I just never got the feeling they were on par with the the great teams with Mac Jones or Tua or, or the great defensive teams from earlier in Saban's run. Um, just, you know, there were enough deficiencies there, and you could see the pass protection and sometimes Jalen Milrow holding the ball too long uh, and that sort of thing, that, that this was not a great team. So for them to have gotten to that point of being in overtime – with a chance to beat Michigan. I know you look back and say, man, we were up seven late. We should have won that game. But on the other hand, I look up and say, that Alabama team probably wasn't talented or not. I don't know, they had talent, but wasn't good enough to be in that position really to begin with. Pat, we sat together uh, in Nashville uh, talking about Nick Saban and, and really where he is right now in what seemed like the world of, of Kirby Smart. So much has changed since late July, but how, how would you characterize the moment in time for Nick Saban and, and what lies ahead? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the, the way perceptions and, and, 
and reputations can kind of shift and alter. Uh, and that's why all these games are just so big. You know, when every time Georgia plays Alabama, there's a chance it's a referendum on legacies and who's the boss of the SEC and all of that. And Nick Saban, other than the Keeley Ringo pick six, Nick Saban has had his way with Kirby Smart and with Georgia. And, you know, I got to take my hat off to Saban. I, yeah, when we talked in July, I didn't think this team would win the SEC West, much less win the SEC, much less play in the playoff. And they did all those things. Um, he put together, again, I like a team that was not dominant in a lot of ways, but still managed to get as far as some of his other really good teams. So uh, I might have been premature in my burial of Coach Saban as a national championship caliber coach. We've, we've all been uh, on that hill uh, before, Pat, <laughs> and uh, I think that's the genius of, of, of Nick Saban. He seems to thrive on it. Let me get to the guy that thrives on all things negative, and that is Jim Harbaugh. It's, it's almost the most overdone subject in college football, but we're stuck with him, like it or not, for six more days. Uh, give, us the, give us the full Harbaugh here. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. What other way could this season end than with the guy who's been suspended for six of their 14 games to be there at the end, be favored to win a national championship, and then who the hell knows what's going to happen? You know, the expectation, I think, is that he will take another swing at the NFL, that there could be major storm clouds from the NCAA looming in 2024. Uh, Does he want to stick around and be sanctioned more, sanctioned again? Does Michigan want him to stick around and be sanctioned more and sanctioned again? Uh, you know, so he will be the center of attention again in uh, in Houston for the championship game. And he's got a very good team, uh, but he's got, you know, all of this chaos swirling around him. And then, like, reports even this afternoon, Connor Stallions was in the stands at the game. That's certainly beyond Jim Harbaugh's control, but – would seem to further indicate that there is a real lack of shame or contrition on Stallions' part, and that kind of goes part and parcel with the rest of the uh, program right now. But it, it, I mean, there's a lot of Michigan fans demanding apologies today, and I, and I don't understand that, and it really doesn't matter because I know people like you uh, and others are, are going to write and comment and report on what you see and, and, and how, how you're able to substantiate it. But it, it just at this point now, other than the fact the NCAA could bury the program, uh, the fan base doesn't seem the least bit concerned about any of that, do they? No, 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 no. They've pushed all their chips into the center of the table here. And, you know, it is funny because we're seeing Michigan, which has always been rather high and mighty and pious and I think looked down its nose institutionally and as a fan base at the SEC you know, oh, you scofflaws, we do things the right way here at Michigan. Well, you've got two ongoing investigations. Your coach has been suspended twice by two different entities. Uh, you're no better than anybody else. Uh, and so I think they've just decided to embrace it and say, you know what? Fine, we just want to win this national title. Just get us to Monday. Let us see if we can win this thing. And then we'll pick up the shreds of whatever's left and try to piece it back together after that. Pat, I vaguely remember a story that you broke uh, back in, what, 2010, another program, very prominent, put all the chips on the table, and they won the national championship, and it really didn't matter how they got the quarterback, did they? 
That's right. <laughs> you better believe it. It's very similar. I think what uh, Auburn and Cam Newton, uh, kind of how they navigated that and just they basically said, look, we're going for it here. We, we do not care. You can say what you want about us. You can think what you want about us. We're trying to win a title, and they did, and they got out of there with it, and we'll see if Michigan can do the same thing. Yeah, and it had been more than 50 years since Auburn's last national championship. It, it seems like it's almost been that long for Michigan. Many thanks, Pat. I know it's been a long uh, day. I mean, and, and I love the fact that those games, uh, at least on the Eastern time zone, ended at nearly 1 o'clock in the morning. But that's thanks to the granddaddy of them all, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Really serving the fans who had to get up and go to work this morning by uh, <laughs> giving them a 1 p.m. finish or 1 a.m. finish. So. Well, we loved it. Uh, Pat, thanks. Great to have you yeah. on. Uh, Pat Forty, always uh, with some uh, fantastic commentary about college football. We head to the break. We still have more guests to come here on the day after. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We are back here on a Tuesday afternoon. Let's check in with Mark in Richmond, Virginia. Hey, Mark. No, Mark. Larry in Houston. Good afternoon, Larry. Hey, Paul. How you doing? We are well. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I had uh, just two things I wanted to run by you. Uh, one, uh, first off, I'd like to compliment Kirby Smart for coming out and making some comments about this uh, opt-out situation. I'd like to see more of our college coaches uh, get on the bandwagon with him to try to do something about the problem uh, that's caused in these bowl games. But the main thing I was calling about was Alabama's offensive line. Uh, I, it's a shame that the center is catching so much flack. I realize he, he had some really bad snaps and had a bad year. But there are four other guys on that line that really did not protect uh, Alabama's quarterback very good. And uh, I wonder, I remember at the beginning of the season, there was so much hype made about the size of Alabama's line. And I'm just wondering if the line hasn't just gotten too big and overweight that they can't move around uh, and and protect the quarterback. Uh, in my opinion, uh, once you start getting above 200, uh, 330 pounds, these guys just can't move fast enough. And I think Michigan proved that point to them on numerous occasions. 
And uh, it's fine to have big guys on the defensive line, but you got to have some agile people out there on the offensive line that can pull and and lead runners around the edges and stuff like that. And Alabama just doesn't seem to have that. Uh, And I'm wondering, too, if Alabama, when they lost their strength and conditioning coach, I believe he ended up going to Georgia, didn't he? Um, he did go to Georgia, Kirby. but he, he went to Georgia as a special teams coach, not a strength and conditioning coach. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I, I just thought that Alabama's uh, conditioning has been not quite as good since he left. But well, anyway, I just could uh, your, your comments about yeah, Alabama's line. You, I mean, Scott Cochran was old school, uh, emotional, and, and that's how most strength and conditioning coaches are. What they What they ended up doing, they went more – Science, which is where many believe that game is right now. Everything's analytical. Everything you can watch and and keep up with uh, you know, through through technology. Hey, thank you for the call. Let's uh, move along and talk to Bill in Kentucky. Uh, hey, Bill. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Paul. I wanted to talk about the last play uh, last night. Uh, that was like Michigan was like, I mean, that was so obvious. I was like talking to my friend who was watching the game. I said, I hope they don't do like a quarterback run here because they're going to be watching Milroe. And that's exactly what Michigan knew they were going to do that. Do you agree with that? I do agree. And, and listen, how many, you know, stop me if you've heard this one before. Uh, Jalen Milrow is the best athlete on the field. Uh, everyone knew that he was. Yes. And they were prepared for it. Now, again, that's always a bit of a chance. I think some things set that up. And, you know, nobody, the guy a few minutes ago didn't want us to beat up on the poor center, but I'm going to. And uh, when, you, when you get a low snap, uh, in a situation like that, uh, your your options decrease. Right. You might want to think about that if you're calling the play, and there's a way to eliminate a low snap. You move the quarterback up. Yes. Uh, after I've watched all the bowl games, Paul, uh, practically all of them, I, there's no doubt in my mind if there's an expanded playoff, uh, Georgia would be the team to beat, I think. But do you agree yeah, or I disagree? I do agree, and, and, and I, I would be more passionate about it. But okay, well, before I get to that, let me let me show this play. This is the play in question. You, uh, Alabama fans will be talking about this all. You look where the snap went. He uh, there was also uh, yeah, yeah. By the way, it did it didn't help that Milro tripped over Latham's left leg. Yes. Saban knew it the second the play started. Yes. Hey, thank you very, very much. Uh, Again, uh, these things happen. Uh, Alabama is usually right on these plays, uh, but I'm trying to – I'm watching the play again here. If it hadn't been for – well, tripping on on Latham's leg really didn't make any difference. He was going down. Thank you very much for the call. Let's uh, check out Ronnie in Ohio. Hello, Ronnie. Hello, Paul, as always. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Okay, a couple questions for you, my friend. Okay, they're expanding, you know, the playoffs, you know, to 12 teams. Okay, and my question to you is, Paul, 
why can't we get some better bowl games? You know than what they're doing. And my friend, I don't know who picks them out or how it's done, but I would, you know, I'm a Notre, Notre Dame fan, and, you know, it would have been, you know, better to get beat by Georgia or Oregon, well, my by friend. By the way, Ronnie, uh, if you want to blame someone for Notre Dame's bowl game, blame Notre Dame. Uh, they, they had they had several options, and that's the one they chose. It was, uh, I think it was something pretty petty involved based on some of my friends who were in the bowl business. But bowl games uh, aren't just uh, random. Bowl games, and this will change next year, but until now, bowl games are affiliate, affiliations. The SEC has X number of bowls that they are affiliated with this year. The SEC didn't fill all of those affiliations. Why? Because uh, South Carolina and Mississippi State uh, and Arkansas all lost critical games late, which prevented, and Florida, by the way, which, pre, uh, which prevented them from going to a bowl game. And those are usually automatics. So you make deals with, with various bowls, ACC, SEC, uh, SEC, Big okay. Ten. And when it blows up, uh, the bowl games have to scramble. Okay. And so they just fill somebody in that'll fill the bowl game. Well, yeah. Right? You, 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 you have to grab somebody else. So, you know, who do you grab? Okay. Well, thank you for answering my questions. And one last question for you. And I know I'm getting lengthy. Buddy, I, God forbid, you know, I, you know, the University of Kentucky, you know, I want them to win so damn bad. Excuse my language over there. And um, Paul, is it the coaching? Or the facility, or the university. Well, don't, don't forget, uh, Clemson's a good team. Uh, they're they're not elite like they used to be, but they're still very good. And uh, there's been some quite coaching issues at Kentucky. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.